I have nipples, Tim. Can you milk me? Meet the parents. It's coming up next. Haven't seen it with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenay. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time. And today that person was Tommy. Tommy had never seen Meet the Parents you know, the weird thing is I've seen Meet the Fockers, the sequel to this, but uh, never saw the original. So um, it's good to finally get it. I mean, we'll talk, but I personally really fucking love this movie. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> we'll, we'll dive into it. This is personally a not favorite of mine. Mm. You don't like the cringe? <laughs> hey, uh, we'll dive into it more. It's I yeah. don't mind cringe. Like I can find it really funny when I think there's a lot of jokes to it. And there's some humorous points in this movie. But a lot of this movie is just like very uncomfortable situations without jokes. And it's just oh, them I, like like just sitting there. I, I think that that's what the humor comes from. I think it's just those uncomfortable situations are the jokes and they're really fucking hilarious because I think of scenarios like that all the time. <laughs> okay. Well, to each their own. I uh, disagree with your hypothesis. Mm-hmm. What's the Quentin Tarantino line? I reject your hypothesis. Do you know do you know what that that's from um when he was doing once upon a time in Hollywood press and some like lady asked being like why does Margot Robbie have so few lines compared to the other actors and he was just like I reject your hypothesis that's all he said <laughs> Yeah Tarantino's the fucking man so I mean like he's worked with the muppets before so he gets a pass in our book <laughs> Tarantino could do whatever the fuck he wants but Tommy yeah. Have, is there anything you've watched this past week that you'd like to share with the class? All right. Uh, so for show and tell, uh, Tim, you're going to love this one. I saw uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, Quantumania, the third Ant-Man movie. Um, I honestly liked it. It, it wasn't perfect. It, it was like, you know, pretty middle of the road Marvel uh, overall. It's like, for me, like a 3.5 out of 5. So it was still pretty funny. The beginning parts of it, Paul Rudd, obviously, is hilarious as usual with his ad libbing and stuff like that. When they really leaned into Paul Rudd, just playing Paul Rudd, it really worked. But then I feel like a little bit like towards the beginning, uh, towards the middle, like I was just exhausted and kind of was like, eh, you know, it got a little too, too green screen, a little too like special effectsy until a uh, little lost its way. But I feel like overall, the central performance of Paul Rudd really carried this movie and it's still an enjoyable Marvel watch. I mean, the best thing I can say about a Marvel movie these days is that this wasn't terrible. People are saying it's the worst movie ever, but I was like, it's enjoyable. This movie you can watch in the background, honestly, too. And it's fine. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, I saw the reviews and it was getting killed. I, ha- I haven't seen it yet. I just think it's just overall fatigue from the franchise, like Marvel as a yeah. whole. Like, and it, it's not even, it's like, it feels like the quality of the movies went down, yet the amount, it's like they had the same planned budget for all Marvel entities. But now mm-hmm. instead of splitting it between two or three movies a year, depending on the year, it was like okay, you're gonna we're gonna push out four to five movies a year, and we're gonna have three to four TV shows, and you're all sharing the same budget, and then yeah, it's just like getting your head like hammered in on it. 
Well, it's just it's a lot of these Marvel movies just need to have smaller stakes. What was good about like the second Ant-Man movie, for example, is the stakes of that movie were so small, like literally as that the character is. Or it's just like pretty much they're just dealing with a black arms dealer. It wasn't that big of a deal. It wasn't in the world thing. Whereas for this reason, the interviews uh, John Jonathan Majors as Kang. That's not a spoiler. It, he's in the trailers. Jonathan Majors was good. He, uh, but it was the same time. It was just like we don't need Ant Man to set up like the next great Avengers movie. You know, we just need Ant Man to be quirky and be funny. And it was like the second they got into the quirky stuff. Uh, I mean, the sci fi stuff. It was like this is too much. <laughs> But anyways, uh, Timmy Tradition, have you seen anything good this week? <laughs> I'm just going to keep it short and sweet. I was in San Diego for a golf trip, and we watched Top Gun Maverick, and that movie still rocks. It rocks so goddamn hard. <laughs> we were in yeah. Fighter Town, USA. We were in San Diego, so it felt very appropriate. You had to. And some of the guys hadn't seen it, so it was like, oh, okay, yeah, we're throwing it on. And some dude named Paul had his paramount plus logged into the house tv so we were just able to stream it Fuck for yeah. free it was perfect yeah that, that movie it? rocks so hard oh my I, God. I i still need to rewatch it i've only seen it once in theaters uh over a year ago so or point, but... it's under a year but yeah i get what you're saying it's been since it's may it's been a while. 2022 yeah you haven't seen it in 10 months but yeah. i that movie still rocks it rocks hard that's not what we're talking about today, Tommy, we're talking about Meet the Parents. And they referenced Top Gun in that movie. I milked a cat once. Greg is spending the weekend with his girlfriend's parents. I had no idea you could milk a cat. Oh yeah, you can milk anything with nipples. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? What could possibly go wrong? Jake's strictly a house cat. You can't let him outside. From the director of Austin Powers. You tried to milk him, didn't you, you sick son of a... Robert De Niro, Ben Stiller. You okay, sweetie? Yeah. Meet the Parents, rated PG-13, at theaters Friday, October 6th. What could go wrong? Quite literally everything. This is Meet the Parents, where Greg Fokker, actually Gaylord Fokker, meets his future fiance Pam's parents for the first time, and boy, oh boy, I have no idea how she's still in love with him after that weekend. Tommy, give me some of your thoughts about Meet the Parents. Do you do you think outside of movie world, outside of Hollywood land, that if these concurrent events happened with your with a significant other, first time meeting the parents, and you're like, oh, like I was gonna propose to her. Do you still think that realistically you would have proposed to her by the end of that weekend and that she would still be in love with you i feel like a part of it would be like the um whatever her character's name was uh pam burns uh like her character would just be like you're such a dipshit dude what is get your get your shit together dude come on like what's going on here <laughs> I, I, this, so i i don't really care for this movie i think it has its good moments one of the like the really positive things i think they do in this movie is pretty much right when you walk into the house for the first time they set up the bits like they set up jinx yeah. the cat right there and then jack shows the the teddy bear spy cameras even though we're we the audience are told that he was a rare flower dealer for the past 30 years and just retired mm -hmm. and so they do these this good thing of kind of setting like what the big picture is kind of is in this movie where they're going to like what's kind of going to be unfold. Like, I think they do that really well. Mm -hmm. My issue with this movie 
is that it is just exclusively uncomfortable situations and there's not really jokes in the movie there's some i i i disagree completely i think i think this is just like the pinnacle of cringe comedy right here i mean you could see for me personally i, I think that you could see like the through line from this to the office right like, there's some episodes of the office like timmy are you a fan of uh scott's tots or um i can but i can sit through top scott's tots or dinner party because it's so absurd mm-hmm. And by the time it gets absurd in Meet the Parents, I'm already like feel the eels crawling like on my oh. skin. Like I just I can deal I, with cringe humor, but I like a level of absurdity to it. Like I like that level of being like, okay, this isn't real world where like the beginning of this is like there's nothing odd about it, right? It's just like this is a very standard bad first meeting with parents that's that's why i think it's great but it's kind of relatable i mean the only real like crazy hijinks at first is like just the fact that like they talk about how jinx the cat can like piss uh in the fucking toilet <laughs> and yeah. i mean but it's low-key but it's, it's just like very um not like very broad in a way but just very uncomfortable in a way that just like i couldn't help but just laughing at just like how robert de niro clearly like so many times throughout the movie is just like who the fuck is this dipshit right here? I think uh, the highlight of that for me was um, there's this one shot that Jay Roach does in this movie where um, it's the Peter Paul, uh, Paul and Mary thing, Puff the Magic, Magic Dragon, where Ben Stiller is describing Puff the Magic Dragon and just focus on De Niro's face while he's doing it. And you just see the disgust from De Niro's face at that Clint Eastwood meme. being just like, the fuck is this kid saying right here? Like, what is this older generation, younger generation saying? I, I think one thing this movie is missing is... Like, it's missing at the beginning of the movie, like, that dinner scene of Pam and Greg going out and just seeing their relationship and seeing him be, like, confident and funny and, like, flirty. And we finally get that, like, an hour and 20 into the movie when they're Uh. at the, the rehearsal dinner. No, but just hear me out. Like, Greg comes off like somebody that has never interacted with other human beings before in a slightly pressured situation whatsoever. And it just, I, I, like, I just don't believe that she is just so madly in love with him. Because all we hear I, is just like, well, yeah, I'm I'm just madly in love with him. I just love him so much. But we don't, like, see why. Like, there's no reason I, why. Everything I, I he disagree. does should be pushing her away from him. I, I, dis- I, I disagree. I mean, I think in the beginning of the movie, we get that good, like, 10, 15 minutes of, like, him, like, about to propose to her and, like, you know, the, uh, talking off and, like, them getting together and you have some moments throughout the house before things get like even crazier just between them talking about like what just happened and just her being like oh i love you and like saying how tender they are together i think that those moments they let the relationship breathe a little bit for me in a way that it didn't feel like it was just forced being like i understood why they're in a relationship personally um i I could see the scenes it felt enough for me (laughs) I, i just wish there was the scene before before they're dropped into the situation because those that was the engagement that was the almost that that's like not a thing that was that that was like the meat that was like the meat cute for the audience to just get to know these characters but i could have used literally a two-minute scene of them packing in the apartment just talking about anything that these characters have interests in like i like during the puff the magic dragon scene and just starts off and it's just very awkward silence in the car like why don't you ask him, so are you a fan of 
baseball, football? Like, what are you into, Jack? Like, why don't you just ask him like a very baseline? Question? Oh, I, I don't, I don't know. It, it felt relatable to me in some ways. Where it's just like sometimes you get in conversations with people, where you realize that there's like nothing you can really talk about and get on that relatable level, and just that you can feel the awkward tension. And like the fact that like every single joke that Ben Stiller tries to tell the family throughout the whole entire uh, like weekend just bombs spectacularly. I I did like that. I did. I have yeah. that written down. I did like that. Like every like where they were like, oh, somebody got bit by the hair fairy. Like when he comes out in his pajamas yeah. and everybody's all dressed up already. <laughs> so uh, nice. And then he, after the breakfast, he like gets up. He's like, well, I guess I got to go see the shower fairy. Yeah, and literally just everybody just <laughs> looks at him. Like th- those were humorous <laughs> moments to me. But again, I, mean, I just don't really like Greg Fokker as a character, and I don't think they really give enough. Like I don't know who he is. Like I know he's a nurse, and I know he makes bad jokes, and I know he loves Pam, and that's those are the three things that I know about him. I could have used like two more things. Like I feel like. We've watched a lot of really good rom-coms and we've really gotten to know these characters, like what they do, like anything from like, what's your favorite TV show to, is there a sport you like? Do you like the ballet? Like, like, does he take ballet lessons on a Thursday? I I, I guess anything for these two characters. I have no understanding other than the fact that like the script told them to Pam to come out and meet him cute for dinner and he's trying to do a very cute proposal and then finds out that he should probably do the common sense thing and ask her parents for their permission for her hand in marriage which is a very common thing to do now i've seen meet the fockers from what i remember like they're very a traditional the parents what that's dustin hoffman and barbara streisand right yeah meet the fockers yeah and that's fine that's all well and done i don't really believe that they had uh, they probably did for some of the back because they do write some background for these characters when they write them but again it's one of these things that don't get explained and i just get the sense that he's like this very awkward guy walking into like a the burns's and uh, owen wilson's character kevin they all come off very old money mm-hmm. new york like very old money like they live in oyster bay which is a very wealthy town and on Long Island. Mm. And like he was not ready for that. But I would have liked to have seen like a little bit of like what he does. <laughs> you you, so, want, you like, want to I see his gonna, hobbies. So well, I just want to I just want to know the character. You just want some hobbies. Uh, I, I mean I, I, the char- I just want I when I, I, hobbies, I, I, understand. I just mean I want to know the character a little bit. Like a phone call with his mother beforehand just to get the understanding of like his mother is not normal. Uh, Got it. Um, this is definitely the most we probably disagreed on a movie so far. I mean, who would have thought we'd meet the parents of all fucking movies? But, but I think um, I think we're both making valid points. I think it just comes down to taste in terms yeah, of the movie. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, this is what uh, I feel like. It's just like I, I immediately understood Ben Stiller's character, just like an anxious person, which I can definitely be, be it sometimes. Um, ben Stiller was apparently cast because Jay Roach said, I saw Meet the Parents as an anxiety dream, and in my view, Nobody plays that kind of material better than Ben. And you can see it. This is just feels like a whole fever dream of like what could go wrong. I was like, uh, you, when you think of like anxiety, where like sometimes I'll think of like scenarios where it's just like, oh my God, how bad would it be right now if like I just like tripped and fell into this or something like that? Or, you know, overthink over that and over and over again. And this is just like 
here's the worst version of what could happen in this scenario, like over and over and over again. That's what this movie is, where it's just like he tries to be like a fun like person in the family, and then immediately when he goes to play volleyball, spikes a person in the face. Like spikes that. the bride to be in the face. But yeah. again, it's one of these things where it's like, who is like again, who is this guy? Like I get getting caught up in competition because it happens to me. But I also have, and again, I know it's, I know it's, a, I know it's a movie. Like I, I, I get, I get that. The guy is such like he's just a. I, I just don't really relate to that. Like I'm not really, I'm not really an anxious person though. I feel like that kind of yeah. can definitely come through between the two of us, like on the podcast. I don't personally, I don't really deal with anxiety. I'll deal with analysis paralysis of overthinking like a situation that I'm in, but I won't. I don't really get too stressed about like things that can happen and when i have those thoughts i'm just like well it hasn't happened yet so what am i worried about like what am i overthinking about well give me your brain <laughs> i know i know you'd like my brain tommy i'm i'm sorry i can't i can't do that yeah we you can't, you can't duplicate i can't duplicate it <laughs> but yeah. i you know i don't really deal with that so maybe it, it is from my side of it i just don't connect with the character in that way just because i don't deal with that kind of anxiety like i can meet new people and just get to know them like i'm very good at just shaking someone's hand oh okay tell me a little bit about yourself like where are you from where's this where's you know where are you from what do you do oh you, you like oh i love ba- oh i love baseball and i can go yeah, yeah, yeah. go on and on find a way to make a somewhat of a connection even if it's just a we're going to be friends for the time that we're hanging out and then that that's that but I, I can do that with with ease. And I guess other people just don't have that. But again, I would have liked to have just seen that before he gets there. Mm-hmm. It, like they're in Chicago for two minutes. He does the proposal and then they're flying to New York. You, you get what I'm saying? Where it's just like in the beginning, like I just wanted a little more of the characters. Like I just wanted to get to know. Well, yeah, yeah. I, Greg mean, and Pam is, uh... be- I just wanted to get to know Greg and Pam better. And I feel like I, we don't I get to know movie... Pam at all in this movie. Well, yeah, she's she's very underwritten. I'll, I'll give you that much. Um, but I mean, like, I think it's, <laughs> it's just sort of like uh, people are here for Ben Stiller and Robert Darrell. Let's just focus on them. So it's like whatever. I mean, like sometimes it does happen in rom coms where it's just like the female parts a little underwritten. Um, and this is definitely the case here. But I mean, I, I don't know. I felt like I got enough of Ben Stiller's character just to understand what we're like that's coming from. I mean, I'm definitely not anxious to the point that he is, but like. I, I, it's definitely a little bit relatable right here. So um, you'll probably like this, uh, how this movie came to be. Um, I was reading this and I was kind of like one of the few times where I was reading like movie trivia. I was like, what the fuck? So this was a remake apparently of a 1992 independent film of the same name. Um, and this movie got a lot of buzz. People were really uh, big about it and everything like that. I think uh, Emo Phillips was in it. And then uh, Steven Soderbergh brought this to attention of Universal with intention to direct this movie. So can you imagine the Steven Soderbergh version? Oh, would yeah. have had such a great... Oh, that would have been such a better movie. I, I feel like it probably would have been more character-driven. So, um, But he dropped out uh, to focus on Out of Sight. So then um, Jay Roach was about to direct, and then he almost did direct because, I'll give you this one, Steven Spielberg wanted to direct this movie. And oh, was, I would have loved the Spielberg cut of this. Yeah, oh, yeah. my God. Well, I don't, I don't know how Steven Spielberg could do straight-up comedy. I mean, as much. We don't see it. In, but this isn't like a way. straight-up comedy. It's just, like, uncomfortable. Like, there's no, like, comedy. I, I felt. I comedies felt, I felt, have, I felt the comedies comedy. have jokes. Like, this doesn't have jokes. That, that comedies have, like, awkward situations, too. This is they have awkward comedy. situations, but they're usually characters, like, making jokes back at each other. And that's usually where 
the uncomfort comes from, but because the oh, jokes no. are like, but there's no <laughs> jokes. It's just, it's so mundane for me. It's it's too mundane. I, no, no, it's it's not mundane enough for me. I, it felt just like fucking hilarious. Where like there's so many scenes where I was just cracking up and like couldn't, it was, like couldn't stop laughing. But anyway, it's the Steven Spielberg version would have starred uh, Jim Carrey. Apparently, <laughs> oh, he would have done such a better job. I don't know. I don't know because like Jim Carrey, I, I can't imagine Jim Carrey playing anxious as well because yeah, that's like what the character what of Greg ta- would have been. What are you talking about? Jim Carrey like can play anxiety in a bottle, like the way he can just like like just the way he speaks. Like it's it's a different intensity, and it would be a I'm different. Thinking, it I'm would be a broad. Diff- it would be a different kind of anxiety, but it would be much more humor. Like it would have been more humorous. Like that's the problem. Like I, I, well, I'm just sitting there uncomfortable. I'm not laughing at this movie. Well, I mean, not different stroke for different folks because I was laughing throughout. But um, it was like you know, apparently the Jim Carrey version was going to have more broad physical comedy in it too. Where like I don't know, I guess like Jim Carrey would have gotten more high jinks where you like fall over a roof or something and more broad in that aspect. But I, I don't know. I think Ben Stiller was perfectly cast. I mean, are you not a Ben Stiller fan? Let's get to that point. <laughs> um, I think he's fine. Like I don't, I kind of think he's pretty one note to be honest. Uh, no, and he's not one note. He's like two note. He's like got this straight guy persona, and then whenever he plays a character, he's just like Mister Tough Macho, um, the guy from Globo Gym in Dodgeball. Like that's his other character, and I guess Zoolander. But it, Zoolander's kind of just like the. It's just like playing simple. Like I, I don't think he's like that great, but I get the appeal. Like he's very easy. He's very like warm and like you can definitely feel connection with him for an audience i don't think he's like a terrific performer mm-hmm. but like i don't dis like i don't have i don't really care about ben stiller like he had his moment in the sun and uh i'm very happy for him like i would have rather vince vaughn in this role like i think this would this be probably... a better this would be a better movie with vince vaughn because vince I, vaughn I... can just make that make anybody feel anxiety where i don't i I think Ben I, Stiller I does as good of a job. I don't agree. I, I think that Ben Stiller, I mean, Vince Vaughn's like too cocky for me um, as an actor. Like, you know, I always think of him in Swingers. I think of him in Wayne Crashers. And, and like, I haven't seen him play like a more vulnerable character in that. Um, I don't think he can play that as well as Ben Stiller does. Uh, While well, Ben Stiller does the macho thing, that's usually much more broad when he does that. And Ben Stiller, I think, it is much more relatable as every man where Vince Vaughn usually plays like the cocky douche or whatever. Well, <laughs> I, I, I would agree with you there, but I just meant in terms of like, like I'm thinking of the scenes with Greg and Pam in the bedroom, like going back and forth, like Vince Vaughn r- reading those lines, like you would just feel the anxiety coming off the off the screen. Where with mm. Greg, it it doesn't come off that way. I, listen, this movie just doesn't work for me. I, I it's a very popular movie. It did incredibly well at the box office. It's just not your type. <laughs> it's just it just literally since the first time I remember seeing this probably like first time like middle school. And I was just sitting there like with like eels on my skin. Like, I just did not like this movie. But I like like the Eric Andre show. I like Tim and Eric. Like I like cringe humor. Like I don't have a problem with it. But I usually like the absurdity on it. Like the office is a mundane setting. But the events that happen in the office are not mundane. They well, are ridiculous and over the top. And that's where I think the blend of humor I'll, and cringe come together. This is just I'll, like I'll mundane. Di- this is like mundane dialogue until he like burns down the house. This is this is much more dry in a way. I mean, have you watched the British version of The Office? And if so, I have watched how do you feel Brit- about it? I haven't watched that in like 15 years, but I have watched the British version of The Office. I 
I and I like dry humor too. I just didn't think there was that much humor here. It was just like I, I, it's all it's all situ. Uh, as uh, let, let me defend myself for a little bit for my point. Um, but it was very situational basis, very much just like a, a little bit dry, a little bit more, and like the nuance of the dialogue and uh, it just letting the cringe breathe a little bit more. Where it's just like you could see so many times of De Niro just being like, "Huh, okay, cool." I do respect this movie for letting it breathe. Because uh, we talk about movies where they just talk too much and it's just like, let it breathe, like, let it breathe. Mm-hmm. But the joke it always is, isn't this so uncomfortable? Like, that's every joke in this movie. That's every situation in this movie is, <laughs> isn't this so uncomfortable? And I mean, it so works it's... once or twice. Like, if you, they wanted to keep it mundane for the, like, they didn't, I don't, I think it has an escalation issue of where it gets absurd like the first truly like i want to say absurd thing that happens is probably like i guess you could say the the lie detector scene but i kind of like the lie detector scene and like i think in the context of everything it's it's not that absurd like the first absurd thing is like the volleyball spiking and then letting the cat out of the house well no, no no even before that i'd say the him knocking over the grandma's um ashes and then the, cat oh, the grandma's the ashes. ashes yeah that one too but like again but these are all like it's like it's all mon- it's so mundane like I, that doesn't feel mundane i mean that was one of those things where it's just like an escalation i mean one of the things that uh i personally loved in this movie uh, was the dinner scene where they build up robert de niro um how he started making poems and how he started writing poems as like a art therapy and then like there's just like a for me a underlying tension right there where it's just like the whole entire time throughout that scene, I started just dying laughing because it was like, right, there's two scenarios here. There's going to be like the most beautiful thing you ever fucking heard or it's just going to be like the most absurd thing you ever heard. And it was for me a more absurd thing where just the way that Daniel was describing it and just like, mom, you're dead. <laughs> and I couldn't beat the cancer out of you or whatever it was. <laughs> just when he was saying that, I just was couldn't help but just die laughing. Just it really hit me in that way. Where it's like, oh my God, this is so uncomfortable. This is like the worst fucking dinner party ever. It, it, it felt for me like the dinner part in the office, but a much more um, subtle version of it. And that's why I just found it really funny and just loved it. <laughs> yeah, for me, like I want, I have it in my notes. I'm like, I want more wacky here. Like I have <laughs> cued here the clip of them at that dinner scene where he calls Grace. And <laughs> I just want to play it and then we will discuss it. But I want the audience to just listen to the audio and see if it's funny or if it's just kind of uncomfortable. Greg, would you like to say Grace? Oh, uh, well, uh, Greg's Jewish dad, you know that. You're telling me the Jews don't pray, honey? Unless you have some objection. No, 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 I'd love to. Pam, come on, it's not like I'm a rabbi or something. <laughs> I said Grace and many a dinner table. Oh, dear God, thank you. You are such a good God to us, a a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh, sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly 
lain at our table this day and each day by day day by day by day oh dear lord three things we pray to love thee more dearly to see thee more clearly to follow thee more nearly day by day by day amen amen oh greg that was lovely thank you greg that was interesting too so like and again it comes down to this i needed to see greg in his element like i needed to see why pam even liked him like you don't even need to write pam's character anymore i just needed one scene of this dude just like charming her at some point. I, I felt they had that. I felt they had that. They had they, the actors had good chemistry, but I needed like just some reason because then it because this is a fish out of water movie, right? Like you take this guy from Chicago, that's uh, a nurse, kind of underqualified. His her dad's a CIA agent. Mm-hmm. All the people in the family are doctors. Blah 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 blah. I needed him to be. I just needed to see one scene of this dude just like in his element, like one scene with his friends, one scene I, of him doing something else, because it was just he tried to propose so we could meet the two characters got it, got it, oh, dad would like for would respect being asked first before proposing okay, got it, that was the first and then, then they go out to dinner, maybe he makes some kind of like subtle hints at it, some subtle jokes at it makes her laugh, makes her charmed kind, kind of like in his element a little bit, and from there, I think I would have enjoyed the movie more. But, like, all we see from Greg is that he, like, the first thing he does is kind of uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Where he, like, we see him at the nurse, like, they have the nurses set for, for two hours. So they got their one scene done in there. And then the street in Chicago, like, where he goes on his knee being like, oh, I, I, I didn't change my shoes. Where he's, like, trying to propose to her and stuff and organizing the kids to get the marry me sign got it like i'm like i don't know this guy like does this guy have any social awareness whatsoever i i i felt that he he, he put on the charm right there and then those early scenes of them like him proposing to his girlfriend was very sweet and like charming it was and, like, sweet it was sweet. i mean i but it was just but it was still I, like kind of it was like hinting at the awkwardness to come i think that what encapsulates our feelings on this movie is when you just played that clip right there I was laughing and cracking up and you were just like stone face sober. <laughs> so like that, so so you you don't you don't see the humor in that scene right there. You don't you're just like this is just awkward and like it's just, it. but it's just like there's not a joke that, like like the, the joke the, is that it's uncomfortable and that works if you do it two times and then you have a bunch of other jokes in the movie. No, 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 every no. joke I, in the movie is uh, is just uncomfortable. All right, I'm going to now co- I'm now going to conflict contrast this with the scene that I think is the funniest in the movie. Okay. And this is where uh, Greg floods the septic tank, floods the backyard where the wedding's going to be. And Owen Wilson is bringing his, uh, his altar over to put it on the, the grounds. Nice stench. You're really on a roll there, bud. Bite me, Kenny. Now you listen to me. In 20 hours, I'm having a wedding here, so I need my cesspool pump now. Not tomorrow, now. Dad, what's going on? 
Oh my god. What's that smell? That smell, Bob, is our shit. Fokker flushed the toilet in the den, so the septic tank is overflowing. Jack, I told you, it wasn't me. It was Jinx. Fokker, I'm not gonna tell you again. Jinx cannot flush the toilet. He's a cat, for Christ's sakes! The animal doesn't even have thumbs, Fokker. Hey, look at this! Kevo, over by the tree, right? No, 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 no! Stay away! Now, see, in this scene, it is the dad and the father-in-law. Uh, it's Robert De Niro, Jack, and then whatever the other guy's name is, who are just shitting on Greg. And at this point, completely deservedly so, because this guy has been nothing but this mo the most awkward human in the face of existence since being there. It's, it is literally like he had never spoken with other humans before. It, I, it, I, I, I feel like it's just because like the, the screen presence of De Niro in this, De Niro's pretty much playing up his like presence in like a lot of other movies where it's just like, obviously he's not a gangster or anything like that, but he still has that intimidation to him. Or it's just like, you know, obviously when uh, we were dating someone, me and the parents for the first time, it's like not exactly like this anxious, but it's just like, you know, it's one thing you want to like put your best foot forward. And then if your da uh, the dad answers the door, it's fucking CIA agent Robert De Niro. You'd be like, oh, shit, I'm a little intimidated right here. And it's the thing that with the anxiety of Ben Stone in this, uh, in this movie, he can never shake that off. That he's just scared of De Niro. And he even says that in the beginning of the movie where it's just like, I don't know if I can handle you, dude. <laughs> yeah, though, that's what he says where, where De Niro has the change of heart when Pam is like, you were just such a jerk to him. All this mm -hmm. stuff happened because it was your fault. Blah, 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 blah. And then she hears her leaving Greg the voicemail. I love you so much. I'm so sorry all this happened. Even though he ruined her sister's wedding completely. But she's still apologizing to him for some reason. And, <laughs> you know, Dad, it happens. Sometimes, sometimes people get spiked in the face of a volleyball. Come on, Dad. <laughs> Be reasonable. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's just one of the, for me, it just like, it doesn't work. I, I just, I, I feel like I'm making it my point click. very clear. It just doesn't click for me and i don't think there's like jokes like i like i even think of like the math i always think of the matthew mcconaughey like kate hudson rom-coms the sarah jessica parker ones where they're like the most formulaic nonsense on the planet but at least in those movies you get at least five minutes of them like hanging with the boys like her hanging with the girls like just getting to know these characters outside of this relationship. Like I, I just need. I was missing that in this movie, and I needed it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess I did uh, make it a little more insular. Um, I talked about this movie uh, briefly. I think last week or two weeks ago on the pod. Um, you people on Netflix, and which pretty much feels like a direct remake of this to an extent, except it's just like I mean, both sides uh, as family and parents, and that movie very similar to this just was like focus on the cringe humor of it all of just like you know most of the humor came from like this is an uncomfortable situation right here like oh my god like the dad's intimidating or like the mom's just clueless or, or stuff like that over and over and over again um but that movie definitely had a little more um like character driven stuff where, like you'd see the characters hanging out with their friends having beers i feel like you know i don't think in meet the fuckers if i remember if you even meet his friends or anything like that it's not really a focus of the movie Right, it's, yeah. it's not the focus of the movie. It's the focus of the movie is on the relationships. Like I'm saying, cast like cast extras that can just say lines. Fine. <laughs> like, 
Like, who, I, it doesn't be, need to be. It doesn't need to be. It could be you or I just reading lines. It, but I just, I just needed something of him being like a normal human being, just so I understood it. Because there, like, the first scene we see of, of Greg Vacher is him propose is fake proposing to his patient, mm-hmm. which is already weird in and of itself. And I get the humor of it. I, it's fine. It's funny. So like, okay, that's your meet cue. That's how you set it up. Like this guy is just head over heels over this girl. Got it. But I just need one. I just needed one character scene of this movie, and it's kind of my thing with comedy, and it's my my hangover theory of comedies is that I think the Hangover is a very funny movie, but I think the Hangover ruined comedy in the 2010s because the comedy is such a plot oriented movie and it made so much money that Hollywood was like okay our comedies need plots our comedies need plots but I find the best comedies to rarely have plots they usually have like an overarching thing that's happening but the rest Mm. of it is like jokes and situational humor now yeah and the situational humor varies from situation to situation not this is uncomfortable because and this is uncomfortable because I don't don't know this is uncomfortable because this is uncomfortable because he broke his girlfriend's grandmother's ashes vase. This well, is uncomfortable well, no, because the guy she used to be engaged with has this mega mansion. This is uncomfortable because Robert De Niro found her brother's weed pipe in the in his pocket. This is uncomfortable because Jack didn't well, understand well, no, no, the, no, no, okay. the magic dragon. Dragon. You're 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 you're, you're talking you're, talk, you're talking over. But yeah, no. I mean, I think that each one of those situations is unique and just like a different type of uncomfortableness. I mean, some of them are also broad physical comedy, like him just like fucking up the whole uh, wedding right there, and like the shit thing that we just played from that clip, and just like you know the puff the magic, magic dragon thing. I think that they direct them in different ways where it doesn't feel like it's the same thing over and over and over again. It's just the fact of just the guy not being able to connect with his in laws whatsoever, specifically his father in law. I think that's like the through line and like, you know, it feels a little bit different. And, you know, the volleyball scene it has physical comedy. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it worked for me and it felt a little bit varied enough and didn't feel like seeing the same thing over and over again. And I, and I understood where Ben Starr's character was coming from. I related to him at some points. <laughs> but let let me ask you this. Do you see where I'm coming from, at least? You can disagree. Yeah, I do. It, but do you, do you think I'm dis- making valid points? I disagree. I disagree. But um I see where you're coming from. Uh, I mean, do you see where I'm coming from at least? Yeah, I do. Like, people love this movie. Yeah, I'm in the. I'm very much in the minority here of not liking Meet the Parents. Mm. And you can tweet um, at me at Fire Our Manfred, and I won't look at them because I'm not really on social media at the moment. But you can tweet at me and tell me that I'm wrong and I'm stupid or whatever, and I don't. Care. Or you can tweet us that I haven't seen it, where uh, we do check that Twitter. Let's <laughs> at Seen It Pod and Tommy. Oh, at Seen It Pod. Yeah, and I, I checked that tour. So, um, is there one thing we can agree on this movie though? What? Randy Newman's score was fucking fire. <laughs> yeah, the score was the score was good. The score was good. The music was good. There's... The production was good. Like it was really well shot. Like really well executed. I, like it had all the things that I usually look for in a movie. Mm. I it just it just doesn't. It... it just makes my skin crawl, and I don't. Well, I well, there's hate, there's some I, stuff. I hate, well, I hate watching it. I hate watching this movie. There's there's some things that I just love. I mean, the, the cringe humor just makes me fucking laugh. I mean, I think it comes from like the horror movie fan of me, where it's kind of similar reactions, where it's just like, obviously, horror movies is one type of anxiety, but the, um, you know, cringe comedy is like the social type of anxiety. You see where I'm coming from? Yeah. <laughs> see, I don't, I don't, I very rarely get social anxiety, especially anymore. 
And maybe when mm. I was younger, I would have connected it to it more when I did have yeah. more social anxiety. But now that I don't, I just look at him I'm like this guy, like, it comes <laughs> be down, confident, like, you fucker. Yeah, just have like <laughs> have an ounce of testosterone in your body, dude. Oh, my God. Being like, <laughs> like where they just keep making fun of him for being a nurse. Being like, yeah, I'm a nurse. What about it? Uh, yeah. Like, then they can't say anything like it's a respected yeah. profession. I had to work very hard to become a nurse. And then they go, we need to see the Tim Stastita version of this movie where it's just like, yeah, Nero, what about it? What are you going to do? And I, but I, like, I... And here's the thing that he does is it doesn't get either. Like his, like the guy is like this intimidating front. Like you stand up to a guy like that one time for yourself. He's going to respect you. Mm-hmm. Like that's what, that's yeah. all he was trying to judge for him on and like busting his balls about was just being like, can, does this guy have a backbone? Can he protect my daughter? And he yeah. proves throughout the entire movie that he can't. Until until the end. Until the end. Until the end well, when I, he finally snaps, which is where the movie kind of comes back for me. And I actually like the ending of the movie. But it's the first hour. It's the first hour and a half of that movie that I'm just makes my skin crawl and want to like roll over in a pit. Like I'm just like, oh, oh, oh I don't know. I'm, I embrace that feeling. <laughs> I fucking love that shit. It's fucking hilarious. I mean, I feel like there's an underlying tension of this movie that we haven't really talked about is is Robert De Niro about to punch Ben Stone in the face. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, he wants to so bad the entire time. He just, yeah. he just doesn't respect him. Like he doesn't at, respect at him as a human. And no, you can't blame him. No, and I can't blame him. And then that's my problem. And like I I'm usually like, yeah, throw movie logic. I'm just sitting there being like, this guy is. Like, all I know about him is that he's a bumbling idiot. That's all I see of him. How did he even land a girl like Pam? She's a babe. So, she's so way you're, too you're, good for him. This guy stinks. So what I'm, what I'm coming from about this movie is that uh, you're Team De Niro and I'm Team Stiller. Oh, I'm Team De Niro. All right, we're we're yeah, we're just we're going, to the, we're going to the next section, baby. I am a star. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. Tommy, who is the star of the movie and why is it Robert De Niro? <laughs> I actually do have to agree with you. It is Robert De Niro right here because I think that he just like his reactions to fucking all Ben Stiller's bullshit just makes this movie. Like I said earlier, the fucking Puff the Magic Direct thing where like it's literally Clint Eastwood in that meme just being like, oh God, what? <laughs> like, you smoke dope, dude? Like what? <laughs> yeah, it's the physical presence. But I, yeah, and De Niro's literally one of the 10 greatest actors to ever walk the earth from all time periods. Mm -hmm. But I do think this is an interesting landmark in time in De Niro's career. This came uh, um, right after, yeah, 2000. So this came not long after Analyze This. Apparently what happened was that De Niro was an active pursuit of comedic roles after Analyze This did so well. So, I mean, this was one of the vehicles he decided to hitch on. The other one was like Rocky and Bullwinkle movie, which um, I, I think we all forgot about and probably should forget about. <laughs> right. But it feels like after this, like, because Meet the Parents was a mega hit. Mm-hmm. It made $330 million at the box office. So it was like, okay, we're taking this really respected actor in his late 50s, early 60s. We're going to put him in more Hollywood vehicles, like less scorsese like art driven careers because like think about i'm just going to go through some of the highlights of his 90s here he has goodfellas guilt by suspicion cape fear a bronx Mm -hmm. tale casino heat sleepers copland jackie brown ronin then he goes to analyze this where it's his first kind of like comedic 
like a true comedic experience for De Niro. And then it's like the adventures of Rocky Bullwinkle. He did Men of Honor, which I didn't even know about meet the parents. But then from after that, it, it, it was like this change in De Niro's using shark tail. I, I mean, to be fair, that was just like a good like paycheck right there. Probably. I mean, oh, like, absolutely. He, he's... absolutely. But it's a very interesting like turn where he, he kind of goes from being this like prestige. It would be like if Leo in the next five years starts doing like Hollywood comedies. I mean, don't look up was a comedy. I mean, it's a little no, bit different that's, of one. That's, but that's but no, 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 I, I'm I know talking about like a, a situational, like relatable comedy. Yeah, um, I mean, De Niro. Uh, we did talk about this. wasn't actually his really like first comedic performance. I mean, you can count King of Comedy. You can count uh, Midnight Run, which was like thirteen years before that. Those, those both, those both those count. Are, but yeah, those I, are like prestige film. Like King of Comedy is Midnight, Midnight Run. Comedy, Midnight Run, not so much, but you said King of Comedy, and that yeah, that's like one of the big influences on Joker, right? Yeah. Like, which is like a serious drama. Like, it has its funny moments of of it, and it's like any kind of like prestige drama, like The Sopranos, Mad Men, Breaking Bad. Like, those are all really funny movie. Like, they have really funny moments in them, but they're dramas still and like he was just he was a dramatic actor for so long well yeah yeah to be yeah and then now we have the point where like we have the Nero showing up in uh movies like fucking bad grandpa or the war of grandpa where it's just like now he's in all these movies all these like shitty comedies where he's just the grandpa character and he's just the wacky grandpa and like oh grandpa you're so funny and quirky um and then the Irishman, so, uh, which was just we loved that movie didn't we tommy that was a good movie, yeah. The movie gets shit these days. I mean, yeah, some of the CGI wasn't perfect, but I mean, you know, whatever. You know, you deal with what you can get. Um, so apparently, I'll tell you some other people that are up for the role of um, Robert Juno's character. So Christopher Walken was the second choice if Juno turned down. Uh, Anthony Hopkins and, and uh, Harrison Ford were also considered. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins and Harrison Ford? Yeah, or, or Christopher Walken. I mean, I feel like Christopher Walken was... Yeah, same thing as Wedding Crashers, I guess. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> uh, Walken's but... too Walken's too light for the intimidation this movie needed. Harrison Ford would have been perfect. Yeah, he's like a perfect curmudgeon, or like fucking Anthony Hopkins just playing up like a Hannibal Lecter type thing, just creeping him out or something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but I might. I feel like we this podcast has just developed into one argument where we just keep pulling evidence of points where. <laughs> It worked for you, and it just didn't work for me. It, well, well, like I said, this is this is the most we ever disagreed on a, a movie, like easily. I think Top Gun was another one we disagreed on. I get like, I also agree. Five. I also agreed with you that it like it's not a great movie, but it, it's a really fun movie. Yeah. Where this, Whereas, I, like, I didn't have fun watching this. I'm just sitting there, like, I don't like this. I every if I was not doing a podcast with on this movie, I would have this off immediately <laughs> that's how i felt when we watched the matrix uh whatever the fuck was. well yeah well our, we, we don't <laughs> need to mention our, our early early episodes okay tommy <laughs> yeah take it back take it back <laughs> ah, are you ready comedy partner waka waka so tommy would meet the parents work as a muppet adaptation I'm going to say 100% yes. You have uh, Kermit and uh, Miss Piggy as obviously Ben Stiller and um, his what, girlfriend. And uh, Robert De Niro is played by Sam the Eagle. And that's your movie right there. 
<laughs> Wouldn't Robert De Niro just be Robert De Niro? Like, there's always a human in the Muppet adaptations. Owen Wilson. Oh, and just keep <laughs> Owen Wilson's character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he's just like, oh, it used to be if a human. Like, do you still want to be if a human or, or Muppet? <laughs> so, I, yeah, I, I could I guess I could see it working. The Muppets do do the awkward and uncomfortable from time to time. I probably would have liked it more if it was Kermit and Miss Piggy. But I didn't. I didn't like it. I yeah, didn't well, like it. Well, Tommy, this is going to be a fun review. <laughs> yes. Give me your score out of five. All right. Um, you know, I really like this movie. Um, this felt very relatable to me. Um, I definitely like have gotten situations like that overthinking and the anxiety stuff where you think like what could be the worst scenario that would happen and just like play that out and just like this felt like jay roach was trying to go for an anxiety dream just over and over and over again and really relatable de niro is hilarious i thought all the moments were hilarious i felt like there was enough character moments between the two like where uh especially the central relationship regan i felt we can understood why they're uh, a couple i'm honestly gonna go i think 4.5 out of 5 wow so, you really yeah. liked this movie yeah <laughs> This movie was hilarious. It just really caught me. <laughs> if you fast forwarded to the end and didn't listen to my whole spiel, here's it summed up. I think it's just all repetitive scenarios in terms of this is uncomfortable because this is uncomfortable before because, and it doesn't use enough absurdity, in my opinion, <laughs> to bring like any kind of like levity to it. And I don't think there's really jokes. It's just uncomfortable situations and mundane dialogue that's not really interesting i mm. think it's really good performances i think it's really good like it's well jay roach shot the movie well well lit good sets movie just doesn't work for me it makes me want to crawl out of my skin i'm gonna give this two out of five i don't oh. like this movie i get why people like it it's for some people I don't think it has the humor that The Office has, that any of the cringe comedy things have. It doesn't work for me. I don't like this movie. I will try to go the rest of my days to never see this movie again. Actually, I'm going to go one and a half out of five. Wow. All right. Yeah, no, seriously. So, (laughs) uh, like I said, the most you disagree on a movie by far. (laughs) By far. So, there you have it. So, Tommy, any final thoughts? All right. Uh, so, I think Timmy's wrong, uh, first of all. Um, just final thought, just getting out there. But uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, you can follow us on social media at Pod. That's on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And uh, leave us a five-star review while you're listening. Uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening. Uh, or, or your podcast. And, uh, you know, we're coming up for March schedule soon. So, get ready. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to come up with our March schedule. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next week.